Hi friends, you're listening to Autism and Us with me, Maisie. When my son was diagnosed with autism at the age of four, I didn't know anything about autism. Oh wait, I'd seen Rain Man in the 80s. At the beginning, I felt devastated, isolated and afraid. Diagnosis day, the darkest of my life. It wasn't the masses of written information I was given that helped me. It was sharing stories with other Spectrum parents I met along the way, giving me tips and advice, and most importantly, made me feel like I'm not alone. I am no expert and don't claim to be. I'm a parent at the start of my journey. Each episode, I will be talking to a parent or a close family member of someone with autism, and they will share their story from the early years to diagnosis to present day. Welcome to Autism and Us. In some really lovely news, I've been asked to partner with the charity Ambitious About Autism to help them promote some of their projects on the podcast. One of these projects is called Right From The Start, exploring access to support in the early years, including early intervention for families with young autistic children. Over the next year, they will be gathering an evidence base to inform a parent-friendly and accessible information resource to help parents feel better informed and supported in a timely way. Early intervention, receiving the right support as early as possible, is a well-proven strategy in most matters relating to children's welfare. Families still wait an average of four years for a diagnosis once they know to concern, and almost half receive no follow-up appointment, with only a third signposted to advice or help. Unfortunately, the system for diagnosis, assessment and support is fragmented, and parents, like me, are often lost in a process they don't understand and can't easily navigate. Ambitious About Autism have created a parent and carer survey in conjunction with the University of Warwick on the experiences of families of children aged 0 to 6 years old with a diagnosis or suspected diagnosis of autism. This survey will be available in the show notes of this podcast and I'd really appreciate it if you could take some time to complete and submit it online. Thank you. Today I'm joined by Claire. I met Claire through a charity called Signal, which is run by parents, for parents of autistic children in the borough of Lewisham, South London. In this episode, Claire talks to me about her daughter, Ariella. Hello, Claire. Hi, Maisie. Thank you for coming on the podcast today. It's a pleasure. I'm really excited to hear your story. Um, so, as, as usual with um, these podcasts. Um, I'd really like to hear about your life before you had your daughter, Ariella. So I'd recently moved to South London after living in Northwest London for quite some time. Um, And I just started a job at Credit Suisse and um, I met her father. I just met him in um, <laughs> in Honor Oak, actually. <laughs> Did you? In, yes, in a little nightclub in Honor Oak. It was called Bar Equal at the time. So uh, that's where I met him. In your party days. Back in my party days when I had not a care in the world. Ugh, the good old days. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we went out for a short while, found I was pregnant. Um, and when I was 35, I had Ariella. Okay, and where did you have her? In Lewisham Hospital. And... Nice water birth. Oh, water birth. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And just to pedal back slightly, um, was the pregnancy kind of plain sailing? There was- it was. It was a very smooth pregnancy. Everything was fine. No complications. And then the birth, you had a water birth. I had a water birth, long labour, but everything was fine. Again, no complications. Looked like a perfect child. So can you talk to me about um, those first early years, sort of um, naught to two? And Yes. So at first, everything seemed to be fine. Ariella was developing well. The only thing I'd say about her was she was really obsessed with 
breastfeeding. So she was always on the breast. Sometimes she'd even like vomit. She'd had so much milk and I'd try and yeah. take it off. And all she wanted was to be back on the breast. She was totally obsessed with it. But did she um, just cry a lot? unless she was on on the boob um yes she right. would and there was no way that anyone in the house could eat in front of her and she couldn't be on my boob she was really obsessed with food and always looking at food right from the day i brought her home and i guess it would be something that you would make a joke of oh yeah we thought so it was hilarious baby yes we thought oh she's my daughter all right you know she loves <laughs> yeah. her food good jewish baby so um yeah she was quite a big baby yeah so because of her. that she was quite big yeah she was quite right. big and I remember, remember actually when I weaned her, like you were told to give them one or two teaspoons of food and she must have had like 20. She just couldn't get enough of it, <laughs> you know. And, you know, ever since then, she was just totally into food. But I thought she was developing normally. Right, um, sitting up at six months. Yeah, she was just, I'd say, about two weeks late with the sitting up behind her peers because I was in a little set of other mothers that I'd met at right. parent baby group. So yeah, she was a couple of weeks behind with the sitting up, but her walking was bang on at 12 months. She walked. Um, and smiling. Smiling, quite sociable. She used to stick her tongue out at people. I thought, oh, what a genius, such a clever baby. I remember at 14 months, she started being able to hear songs on the radio and hum them back. And I was like, oh God, she's such a genius, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And at this point, did you, were you at were you, did you go back to work or were you kind I was of back to work. I went back to work when she was eight months and Ariella was at full-time nursery. So okay. she had quite a long day at nursery, eight till six. Right. And at first I thought everything was okay. And she was at a nursery which I wasn't really happy with. And they had a camera where you could watch what they were doing. Really? Yes. And when I used to watch her on the camera, all she was doing was just like walking around by herself. And I used to say to them, why aren't you doing anything? Why is she by herself all the time? And they're just like, well, she likes it. I was like, well, this nursery's rubbish. So I took yeah. her out of that nursery and put her in another one. At around 13 months, she had the MMR. And I know it's nothing to do with the MMR, but I think when autistic children are sick, their symptoms come out more. After the MMR, there was a withdrawal for about two weeks. Um, and I just thought, God, what's going on with her? What's wrong with her? And then she sort of came back. I was like, okay, maybe, you know, she just wasn't all that well or something. Um, and she was beginning to talk. She was saying more. She was really sociable. Um, and then at around 15 months, she got a cough. And again, she did this withdrawal. And unfortunately, after that one, she never came back. So she lost all her talking skills. She um, stopped making eye contact. Her interests became... Well, they just never developed. She just had a very narrow focus of interest. And of course, she wasn't talking. So... Right. As time and on, I was getting quite frantic about the talking. And did you have family and friends that you mentioned it to? Um, or did anyone say? Uh, I had friends that I would, you know, voice that I was concerned about her not talking, but I didn't really think about anything else. It was just the talking that I became quite focused on. But, you know, time went on. And then my sister came to visit. My sister lives in Israel and she came for a visit. Ariella was nearly two. And my sister said to me, Claire, she's, she just doesn't communicate. And then Ariella got chickenpox. I was like, okay, so the reason she's not communicating is because she's had chickenpox. There was always a reason. Yeah, there was never, always a reason, yeah. you know. And at the time, you can look back and piece it all together. But at the time, it, it really isn't it. a big picture. No, you it's can't just... really put it together. And even though she was doing a lot of odd behaviours, like every day when she came home, she used to run into my room and grab this alarm clock, which she just used to hold all the time and cuddle. 
Um, so I thought, you know, is that, is that normal? Is that a normal thing they'd yeah. want to play with? And she never made a mess either. All the other toddlers would make a huge mess and she never did. And I used to say to myself, oh, it's because she's a Virgo. It's because she's a Virgo. She's tiny. <laughs> she doesn't make a mess. And you know, how so you was can her just... sleeping and her eating? Was that still Oh, extreme? her eating was obsessive, crazy. Yeah, just wanting so much food all the time. And I guess, made, correct me if I'm wrong, I guess as a mother struggling to, to find a communication or that, I guess that was something that you did feel that you could bond with her in a way. Yeah. Like, oh, you know. We had fun with the eating. Yeah, it's my thing that we do together. It's, yeah. And the other thing she could do was sing and like hear tunes and just play them back still, kind of thing. She does still have a... I've a heard her on the, yeah, yeah, on the school bus. No, seriously. She does make these amazing sort of... Yeah, she has quite a range. She, she does. She could have been a Rita Franklin. She, <laughs> she can go really, really low. And really, really yeah. high. She can. And she can remember tunes as well. But actually, when her speech started coming in, that ability to remember the tunes so well kind of faded a bit. Right. So, you know, she didn't understand any speech at all. So when we were doing transitions or whenever it was time to do something, we had a song for everything. So she, instead of pecs, I didn't know about pecs, but everything yeah. was like done with songs. Right. So she knew what was going on because my life is like an operetta so you would say know. we're going to nursery now or shower time do, 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 do. mc hammer shower time so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so you've got yeah. you've got these these things that you two do within the kind of your own home and your and then when does it start to become okay so now this really is something that yeah, i need so to after two after the chicken pox had passed and i realized she still wasn't communicating i started thinking okay something is wrong here and I remember sitting in my car with her. She was about two years, one month. And she just wasn't responding to me. And I remember I was shouting, Ariella, Ariella, Ariella. And she just wasn't even responding at all. Nothing, oh, no reaction. That. And I just thought the words, autism. And I just went upstairs to my flat. I was living in Oak in a flat at the time. Got straight online, looked up uh, signs of autism. And there were these videos uh, of kids with autism. And it's just Ariella. And it hit me like a steam train. I was like, my God, she's autistic. I remember I just broke down. I cried so much. My neighbours from downstairs came upstairs. They're like, what's going on? You've been crying for hours. What's going on? Oh, oh my daughter's autistic. Yeah. And it's interesting that it just popped into your head as a word that I guess it never crossed your mind before. But no, suddenly... not really. But it just hit me like a, a steam train. And then my sister-in-law actually in America is um, an expert in the field of autism. She's quite high no up. Way. Um, I just remember this conversation. It's probably the worst conversation of my life. Yeah. I was shaking on the phone. Because it was like, the first time you'd verbalised it to someone else yeah. as well. And so she started stepping me through all this. I knew what she was going to ask me because I'd done all this research online already. So everything she asked, it's like classic autism. And she said to me, look, she said, I can't make a diagnosis over the phone like this. She said, but there, there's something there. It might just be a speech delay, but it could be autism. You've got to see someone straight away. So I tried to get an appointment for diagnosis. I was a two-year waiting list at the time at Kaleidoscope. So so did you go to the GP in the first in instance? Oh, they were hopeless. I remember going yeah. to the GP when she was two and them saying, oh, we can't do anything. We can't do anything until they're three. So I took her to, there was a speech and language drop-in at Kaleidoscope. I took her there and they were like, hmm, something here, you need to see someone. But because it was a two-year waiting list for a diagnosis, I went private and right. my workplace paid actually. If I got the language, you know, it was a bit of a battle to get them to pay for the diagnosis. It was like £3,000, you know, for the diagnosis. God. But they did pay in the end. And and this is in, because Ariella is... 12? Is she 12 She's now? 13 now. She's 13 now. So this would have been... She was two at the time. So it was 2007. So not 
that long ago. Not that really. long ago. And it was still a massive struggle, even though she presents quite obviously. Yeah, it was still a two-year waiting list. Wow. So, um, so I got this private diagnosis done, pronto. And again, um, do you remember that day? Oh, yes, of course. There were yeah. two days because I had to go twice. I had to go first myself without her and answer a whole load of questions. And I said at the end of that, what do you think? And they, they said, yeah, it's looking likely that she is, but we have to see her. And then, so I was quite prepared. But nothing quite prepares you for when they say this is because I was still doing my plea bargaining with God. Like, come on, God, if you make her not autistic, I'll be a good Jew. I'll start <laughs> eating kosher. You know, all this yeah. rubbish. Yeah, but, I, I um, was the same. I thought there's must be a, a chance that he isn't there, yes. well, there must be and I hope they say that he has something I, I was thinking know. they'd say she was deaf but we went for all the hearing tests so and when we. they said she wasn't deaf I was like I knew she wasn't deaf I was like okay I know what it is then but you're still you're still hoping you still have that yeah. hope so if you could describe um, a severely autistic child compared to an child with less needs less severe yeah. needs I would say but still on the spectrum what what are the main challenges the that... main thing is that they just do not understand language or communication and I think people forget about that one you know they don't understand anything to do with communication so words mean words gestures symbols they just have no idea what's going on it's a complete loss of language it's like you're dumped into China not knowing their culture their their signs their gestures and not knowing the language and I think that's what it's like for them. They just don't mm. understand at all. And it's a major thing. They just don't get the concept of communication at all. It's huge. And social, so, so, Charlie. So, well, the, the social follows on from that because it's a form of communication, isn't uh, it? Yeah. So, really, the whole thing is about communication. So, when you're presenting somebody with Asperger's who has great language skills, it's very hard for me to sort of see them in the same light as I'd see Ariella, really. Yeah, that's, that's what we were saying before, isn't it? You know, it is a spectrum, but in terms of... Now they've sort of taken those, for want of a better word, labels away. It's it is more difficult. Everybody's you, just bunched together. Yeah, because again, you know, in this intro of the podcast, it's like you only have one idea of what autism is. And when I tell people my son's severely autistic, I don't think that whole picture of what it actually means. People don't get it. As she's, um, she has the the narrowed interests. Yeah. Um, so she's only, and I mean, Charlie's is. Um, as we were saying, spinning uh, equip, uh, kitchen equipment. So he yes. loves a garlic crusher or a spatula. Um, it's just hilarious because he'll just find all the kitchen equipment in our living room because he'll take it all the way. And uh, he also stims. And, you know, we say nonverbal does not mean quiet. I mean, Charlie no, is so loud and Ariella's loud as she well. She is quite loud. So from diagnosis um, until... I'd say about five. Let's go go with that time okay. frame. What, um, so we got, what's Ariella doing and what's, yes. what are you doing? So we got heavily into the ABA. I'd set up, um, I had four tutors. I was really, well, I had two tutors at first, really organised and a consultant. This ABA programme was going really well. Where did it, she do it? At home and, and also in nursery and they take her to nursery and do it at nursery as well. So she's getting the social interaction. So she had a combination of nursery and ABA and it was great. She started learning skills, started um, yeah. to utter words. Oh, wow. um, and can I just can I just interrupt quickly? Because um, just as so people can get a little idea of what it is. So, for instance, with Charlie, doesn't understand the social aspect of, for instance, when you come into the house, you take your coat off. Doesn't doesn't give two shits about doing that doesn't really know how to but in ABA they will do it step by step every day they will you have to and they would reinforce that so if he took his coat off or if he even you know started acting towards that or they break it down into many steps you know so you could 
be amazed at how complex taking your coat off can be. Really and is. they might break that down into like 20 steps of how to take your coat off. So every time he masters a step, you get a little reward yeah. to make it worth his while. And autistic kids perform really well for if they know they're going to get a little reinforcer Their or reward. preferred item, yeah. which is for Charlie, a sweet. A spatula or a sweet or, or you know, whatever Shouldn't it is. Shouldn't be food, but or, it really Ariella, is. <laughs> it might be tickles one day, it might be a bit of food, it might just be saying well done. So it would change day to day okay. and you'd have to assess what's going to motivate her today. So the ABA was going absolutely fabulously. It was in the heady days of labour and... Lewisham even paid. There were three families in uh, Lewisham that got ABA paid for, and I was one of them. Oh, wow. um, we got 28 hours a week paid for by Lewisham Council. So it was all hunky-dory. And then uh, it came time for school to start. And the ABA consultant, I think, gave me bad advice. She said, let's send her to mainstream school with the ABA tutors and we'll make it work in, in the mainstream school. So Lewisham were happy. They continued to pay for the ABA in the mainstream setting. And did, 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 was she um, statemented at this time? Or? Oh, yes. She right. was statemented at two. Right. Uh, because I was doing ABA. Now, Lewisham, of course, the advice was, oh, you can't get a statement till they're at school. Everyone was dead against it, of course, because it costs some money. But my word to everybody is, persevere, you're entitled to a statement from the age of zero, persevere, and you can get it. So Ariella was fully statemented when she was two, mm. right? Not even three yet. She's two years, ten months when she got a statement. Powerhouse. Powerhouse. Get on it. Um, mainstream school was a disaster. <laughs> I was getting called every single day. Can you come and get her? Can you come and get her? I just started a new job at HSBC contracting. My ex was the one to come and get her. It was all... So, so you'd broken up with her father before, um, but we'd got before. back together when she was four. Right. So we'd had a three and a half year gap and he was back in her life. So he was the one picking her up from school every day. Right. But it was a disaster. And at the end of that year, it just makes you feel son, oh, so terrible. bad, doesn't it? Me and the Senko at the school, we had a meeting and we both looked at each other and said, let's get her into special school. And we were both so relieved that we were both saying it. I think we were just like almost crying with relief, honestly. Yeah. So she started going to that school. However, when she started special school, Lewisham removed the ABA from her statement. When the government changed hands? Or? No, when she started at special school, because they're like, well, she's not in a mainstream setting. She doesn't need the right. support. So we're removing the ABA and she never, ever got that back. However, I continued the ABA independently at home and she's still doing it to this day. And now she does academics with it. So, and Ari Heller is now at the point, believe it or not, where she can actually be given a workbook only with ABA. This doesn't happen at school. Yeah. It's only with ABA. She can independently work through a six-page workbook, reading instructions and following them like match numbers, the quantities, really? colour in the red car. She can do all of this. So ABA is really fantastic for the academics. Right. And do you think ABA is um, only good for um, the more severe children or it can work for... I think it would work for everybody, but I think really there's more of a call for it for severe children because they can't learn any other way. Whereas I think less severe children are probably able to learn in alternative ways. Because they can process the exactly. language. Yeah. But if your child is really severe, I think ABA is the only way that really reaches them because it's very, very, very repetitive um, and they have that reinforcement going on all the time. So they're motivated to learn. Yeah. So, um, and we discussed briefly before we started recording, actually, about um, your fight for respite, oh, yes. which I think is really interesting. So, um, in Lucian, they do something called short breaks, yes. um, which I've got for Charlie, yes. which is money towards um, an Direct activity. Yeah. yeah, or um, you can choose um, respite. Um, I think it's like two hours or a weekend um, now. But they only do it for children, I think, 
you know, I could be wrong because I didn't choose the respite because I felt Charlie was slightly too young to be left with someone he doesn't know. I think it's, yeah, two hours on a Saturday so you can go shopping basically. Yeah. But um, you can do direct payments as well where you hire someone who you pay directly. Yeah. Right, I didn't know that. Yeah, you oh, can. That's interesting. Again, yes. how how little you're explained and how little you're... Oh, yeah, no, it's all a big secret. They so, don't want to spend any money. Yeah, so, so tell me about that. What, what kind that of... That happened later. So I remember at first I was like quite against it I was like oh I don't want social services involved oh they might take her away from me yeah, oh, as if yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know I think we're safe there because they don't want to take these severely autistic kids away because it costs them about 150 grand a year to place them so in the place they yeah, need to be they'll, they'll work with you to make sure that you'll keep your child basically right. but after a couple of years I started to think oh I really could do with some respite here because I wasn't sleeping? getting any support Pardon? how was her sleeping not bad at all actually she sleeps pretty well okay. and when she hit teenagers when she hit puberty she started sleeping for hours oh, God. like oh, at the weekend she'll get up at one it's unbelievable <gasps> what a dream yeah at night so, she has a bit of a party in her room but it's contained oh, yeah. And, yeah, yeah it's good sorry sorry I was just interested so but I know no, she was on melatonin when she was younger right but not for long she didn't really need it she likes to sleep Ariana to sleep yeah so, but it, but you know, that's one little bit. So I can imagine you're basically caring for her on your own. Yes, I was on my own. Yeah, yeah, because uh, by then the ex wasn't really um, participating very much. So yes, I was pretty much on my own with her. So I got short breaks for her. It was only three hours a week, and at first I thought that was okay, but um, things escalated and. With puberty, her behaviour became so challenging. I actually couldn't go out the house with her. Why? What kind of... It's hard to <sighs> Because she's so food obsessed. Okay, so there were several things. First, the food. She would just run into shops and start shoplifting. And she's so quick. She would just run around like a lunatic. They're bloody speedy, aren't they? Really speedy. I remember scenes, honestly, where she ran into a shop. I'm running behind her. The security's running behind me. It's like a Benny Hill film, honestly. <laughs> And um, but security could see they were laughing, but you know yeah. they're following me outside the shop for the money and bringing the card yeah. machine out the shop so I can does, pay for her stolen goods. And obviously, does this upset her? This when you're kind of like, no, no, you're not. Oh, she just doesn't listen. She finds it hilarious. <laughs> she thinks it's all hilarious. So yeah, because obviously, obviously she's too big for a pram or anything like oh, that. Yeah. So. At the airport, though, now, because because I banned her from shops, because of this shop behaviour, we've just stopped with the shops. But she knew she was going away on an aeroplane, and she thought about it, and she said to me, aeroplane shops! <laughs> I was just like, oh my God, she's already planning a rampage at the airport. <laughs> so I do get a wheelchair at the airport, which sort of really contains her, yeah. and it does help. She didn't even notice she was in duty-free last time. Yeah. She was so taken with a wheelchair. So, so Charlie's the same, so he, because he finds outside quite scary, he's often in a pram, which he's growing out of quite quickly. But yeah, he'll, he's also a, he'll also dash, and shops are a problem. Yeah. Because he doesn't understand, you no. have to bear that. It's a quite a big thing to understand and pay money. Yeah. And um, but yeah, he'll often shoplift. So I'll yes. come out and he'll have a Kinder Egg in his pocket and yeah. one in his hand. Yes, Ariella's quite a good shoplifter <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, but always sweet or it's chocolate. Always crisps. Oh, crisps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Ariella and Charlie bonded over crisps <laughs> on the uh, stolen fancy, crisps. Yeah, she was throwing crisps at him, and he was like, "This is the woman of my dreams." <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless. I know everyone struggles inside um, for many, many reasons. Um, but obviously, when I met you for the first time, we were at a picnic. 
Yeah, we're at the summer party. And we're at the summer party, and I was sort of um, drawn to you because um, our child children are quite similar. Um, yes. I mean, obviously they're all different, but um, a lot of those children. And I'm not saying it's any easier. Everyone's it's all um, you know. Everyone has their own battles, but a lot of these children are verbal. And then obviously, when you meet another parent with a non-verbal child with behavioural learning difficulties um, you are drawn to each other and yes. um, I just remember you because I thought um, you know she's got such a sense of humour yes, and do. Uh, she's God. so friendly yes. and um, she's obviously been living with this for years and years so do you remember when that changed for you like I'm just really interested for my <laughs> for me um, were there a couple of years you still did the tears and the anger and then do you remember a time when you are like this is just, or it just became. I still do the tears. Yeah. Not so much anger anymore, but I still do the tears. I don't yeah. think you're ever um, going to get over it. I must say the first years were difficult. I couldn't handle being around her peers, the babies that we've been friendly with. I just found that incredibly painful watching them develop. So I kind of cut a lot of ties there. Um, but... Um, my sense of humour, thank God, has always been with me. I remember there was a difficult patch when me and my ex were going through some trouble. I kind of lost my sense of humour for about a year. Yeah. And I'd say that was a really difficult time. And I found I was sinking really quickly, really fast. But there was a lot going on because I was going through a major breakup as well. Yeah. And Ariella was going through puberty. So it's all really, really challenging. And I did find my sense of humour going. Yeah. But I'm cured now. Thank God I've got it back. So Yay. it just makes life. So much easier and more bearable. Because I know that when they don't have the, um, get the kind of social norms, a lot of the, I mean, in terms of like periods and moods, yes. did you notice like oh, a change God. in her? Yeah. The two years leading up to her periods were hell, I have to say, and I didn't really know what was going on. She was quite young. She started her periods at 11 on a school trip. Of course, she'd never Great. been away from me, but she starts it on the one school trip she's ever had, yeah. uh, where she's away for two days. But um, yeah, I'd say the years leading up to it were absolutely awful. The behaviour went right downhill and she seemed quite uncomfortable in her own skin. She wasn't happy. You know, I think she had pain. I think she had breast pains. And, right. Um, and you just, know the, the unhappy noises and you know the happy noises. Yeah. So. She wasn't happy. She lost her sense of humour I'd say for those two years yeah. but again it's back she's okay again now oh, yeah. um, she loves winding you up oh she does she's yeah she can be quite See, funny you know, actually the, yeah, she, yeah can. she can so she's 13 now yeah and she's at drumbeat and so she'll go to the senior site yes um how, how long do they stay there till then? Till they're 19. They can stay till they're 19. Til 19. So I'm working with an organisation at the moment called Ambitious About Autism who have ABA schools. They have Treehouse and they've got a couple of colleges. And they're talking about setting up an ABA college in South London. So I'm working with them to try and secure a place at Lewisham College, a couple of rooms there where they can where they can set up a college, which would just be amazing. Unfortunately, right. it's 60 grand a year for a place at you know, a placement there. So I don't know if Lewisham are going to go with it. But well, Is this somewhere where they could um, live as well? Like no, it's just a day college. It would be right. in Lesoko. It would be in Lewisham Southwark College. They just got a few rooms there. But they could attend and it would be full time. They do five days a week at their college in Tottenham. So, I mean, it would just be amazing if we could get them in Lewisham. Yeah. But, you know, if you want changes, you have to do it yourself in a way. You have to get, you know, if I feel like I need to get involved and help them with that. Um, project yeah. because 
I want it to happen so much. And I think if you just and you are the wait. For, at the forefront of knowing why it has to happen. Yeah. I think if you just wait for other people to do things, sometimes you're not going to get there. Yeah, so, you are yeah. a fighter for sure. And um, can you tell me a bit about your life today with Ariella? And, um, yes. Because Charlie and Ariella went on the same school bus. He doesn't anymore. So I remember... Oh, does he not? No, because okay. we moved closer to the school. But... Um, yeah, I remember pulling, because I had to go on the bus with him a couple of days, and I remember pulling up outside our house, and out came Ariella, and I thought, oh, she's on our bus. Um, and she was, yeah, happy, came on the bus, sat, yeah. sat at the back. She was um, almost like, um, yeah, she was like, it was like her bus. Yes, you know, she's she obviously good man. on it so long. Yeah. Yeah. So, what are you? Are you? What? What's the relationship between you now, and what's she like? Does she have any kind of more interests or? Mm. No, at the moment, her main interest is writing shopping lists because she's denied all entry to shops. Oh, that is so, a good one. It's a good one, but not when you're doing it every day for five right. hours a day. And how does she? Yeah. How does she communicate? That's what I want to do now. Uh, does she no, pets? Oh, no. She'll go, right, shopping list, right, shopping list, right. <laughs> she says it. Till I break down. Yeah. And then we'll sit there and she'll sit there and she'll put the pen in my hand with the paper. And if I let go of the pen, I'm in trouble to come back and put the pen back in my hand. Yeah. And I just have to sit there like I'm a secretary taking dictation from her. <laughs> What's her she... favourite thing to eat? Oh, God. Red crisp, orange crisp, yellow crisp, blue crisp, green crisp. <laughs> yes, this is how the shopping list goes. <laughs> but there's about like... 80 items on does the shopping any, list. Like, does she eat? Is she not fussy? You're like, is she fussy? But she'll... No, she's not fussy. She'll eat anything. She eats good food as well. Oh, I mean, for the shopping sure. list has got vegetables and fruit on it. Oh, yeah, Charlie well. eats fruit. She likes her... Yeah, she'll eat fruit quite obsessively, actually. So, yeah, I cook dinner for her every night. She's lucky because I like cooking. Does so she, she like cooking well. as well? Like she sh- likes to supervise. The process. Yeah, she yeah. likes to watch, make sure I'm doing it right. And she'll get all the foods out, the raw ingredients, and lay them all out for me. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. We have a really good relationship, So, there are things actually. that you're enjoying. Because I remember when it first happened for me, I was like, I can't enjoy this child. There's nothing you I will. can. I mean, now I you we're do. a year in now, and it's like, oh my god, he's like so he's quickly, the right? joy of my life. Yes. But, um, so you two are grooving, and what, grooving. what's the future looking like for her? What do you envisage, or have you not even sort of? Well, in my fantasy world, they'll set up this ambitious college in Lewisham, and she'll go there for three years. Lewisham will never pay for this, by the way, but you know, Lewisham, a fantasy. We'll never pay for a placement. We'll probably not allow that college to open, but whatever. She'll go to some sort of college and do some life skills. Right. And then, you know, she'll probably live with me for a while. But ideally, I'd like her to live in a sort of... They have these houses now where they have like two or three autistic people and a carer or a couple of carers. And that's the setup I'd like to see her in eventually, like in a small house with some carers and living a sort of semi-independent life. Because I think there will be things she can do for herself when she's older, Yeah, especially in the food world. She's so interested in food. I think, you know. Yeah, it's the same with Charlie. They said to me at school, they were like, he really likes cooking, you know, because his big thing is food as well. He really likes cooking, really likes mixing. And I thought, hmm, maybe he could do something like in the repetitive nature yeah. in the kitchen. Well, this ambitious college told me that they've got kids' jobs because they work with the severe end, right? And they said they've got kids' jobs like sorting cutlery, like just putting knives and forks and spoons into piles. Charlie and I was like, oh, worry, I could do that. Yeah. And that's minimum wage, you know. You know, so there is things that they might be able to do yeah but you know because if you'd asked me this five years ago I'd have thought oh, she'll be an she won't be able to do anything but I think there's a lot more initiatives going on now to actually support these children into some sort of work and give their life a little bit of meaning yeah so hopefully she'll be able to tap into something like that and what is um what does she teach you like what oh she's <laughs> taught me humility 
Jesus, has she taught me that? Um, I was really quite an impatient person before I had her. I just wanted everything done now and I didn't suffer fools. Oh, God, I'm uh, completely, I'm probably the most patient person I know now. I can just put up with anything, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, if you can deal you with that. You don't sweat the small stuff, do you, anymore? Absolutely like... not. She's taught me humility. She's taught me not to be proud. And, you know, to, um, she's taught me a hell of a lot. That yeah, deal. she is. Yeah. She is wonderful. And um, the last question I'm going to ask you today is: um, When you tell people your daughter is autistic, what would you want their reaction to be? <sighs> I've had all sorts of reactions to that in the past. I've had people who are quite nonchalant. Who is she? I've had people, you know, <laughs> my own mother at first was like, "She's faking it." And then I was like, oh, right, okay. And then her next reaction was, well, obviously she'll be in full-time care for the rest of her life. I'm like, thanks, mum. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the best would just be one of understanding and acceptance and, you know. Kindness. Yes. Yeah. But most of the time what I get now is, oh, my son's autistic or my nephew's autistic or, you know, it just seems Next door like, neighbour's son's autistic. Yeah, yeah. it just seems to be an epidemic right now. find a... They try just try and find, and sometimes what you want people to say is, "Oh God, tell tell me what that's like." Yeah. Or, "What's life like for you today?" Or, yes. "What's the thing you most struggle with?" Yeah, I rarely um, get that. Yeah, R- rare, no, rarely. No it's usually, what's her special skill? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and oh, sorry, just want because I want to put it in the interview. Um, because I have a massive thing about diagnosis that they just simply tell you your child is autistic, and then that is it. You literally have to do all the work yourself, which is crazy because yeah, as we were saying thousands upon thousands of children in this country let alone are autistic yeah. and I'm part of many Facebook groups who say my kid isn't sleeping what can I do my kid keeps putting everything in their mouth what can I do and it's like I wish upon diagnosis they would give you a pack for chewy some melatonin yeah and explain because I just find well, it maybe we should work on that that's maybe what that, I want to we do. should do a campaign for that yeah that's what I want to do is that was that your experience as well um Yes, pretty much. You're pretty much out there on your own. But because, remember, I'd had quite a, a, a time coming up to the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. I'd already researched so bloody much. And I already knew I was going to set up the ABA program, which is a major source of support for me because you're dealing with experts like an ABA consultant who's right. very familiar with autism. So that helped me a lot and, you know, put me in in touch yeah. with things that I needed. Because I think a lot of people aren't like as lucky as me and they don't have the support network or um, maybe like the education that I have that enables me to, oh, I can read this or I can go down that route. Or Yeah, I've no, got they should, there should be a pack that's put together. But maybe that's something, you know, as I say, you know, if you want something done, sometimes you just have to do it yourself and get on it. So yeah. maybe that's something we should be petitioning for and we can reach out to the NHS or Kaleidoscope as a starter and say, why yeah. don't you give them this pack? Oh, should we do it? Why don't Help we? me? What? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much. And I feel, um, I mean, I say this a lot, but it's totally true. You're a massive inspiration to me. And um, I, I'm so grateful for people like you existing. Oh, in this world. thank you. And um, I'm sure that one day we'll uh, be at uh, Ariel and Charlie's wedding. Yeah. So. <laughs> Where the wedding breakfast will be hula hoops. Hula hoops and sweets. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Autism is a spectrum condition. All autistic people share certain difficulties, but being autistic will affect them in different ways. Some autistic people also have learning disabilities, mental health issues, or other conditions, meaning people need different levels of support. All people on the autism spectrum learn and develop. With the right sort of support, all can be helped to live a more fulfilling life of their own choosing. To learn more about autism, you can visit the National Autistic Society website on autism.org.uk. 
This podcast was created, written, and edit produced by me, Maisie Clater. And the music that you hear in this podcast was written and produced by Kit Milsom, who also records and edits the show. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, maybe even write a little review and rate us. <laughs>